Friday, May 17th, 2019 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, U.S. House races taking shape, legislation by litigation, digitally speaking, and snooks for president. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Thomas Nelson of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, James. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, those U.S. House races are starting to take shape. Last week we talked about the race in the 2nd District where Democratic Representative Dave Loebsack is not seeking re-election. Since then, former Senator, State Senator Rita Hart has entered the race uh, to no surprise, and it appears perhaps um, she'll clear the field. Todd, some other folks' uh, names have been mentioned um, but they don't seem to have made any moves, and uh, Hart looked pretty chummy with uh, DCCC chairwoman Sherry Bustos the other day. Um, so <laughs> it appears that she's got blessings yeah. from on high. Uh, is, is she now the consensus Democratic candidate? It, it would appear that way at this point. I mean, she uh, has already. I mean, I, as, as she launched her campaign and sent out the video that was that was out earlier this week. She, I mean, you could you could see sort of folks from all across the Democratic spectrum, at least on social media, praising the video and and talking about what a great candidate she will be and and all of that. So it seems like it seems like the pieces are falling into place. And and I mean, I think she she earned pretty high marks as Fred Hubble's running mate during the gubernatorial campaign. I, you know, I heard people say that they thought that they were more impressed with her than Fred at times. So uh, so all that I guess together, I, th- I think she's seen as a formidable candidate, seen as someone who can hold that district and has good name recognition from that gubernatorial campaign. So it's sort of all the ingredients and and also the the, the Sherry Bustos photo op. So what 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 more could you want? Yeah. <laughs> is, is there any downside to um, running as Fred Hubble's running mate other than that they lost? But, I mean, is that it? Well, I, I think it, it would be, you know, if if – she was seen as part of the problem, but I don't think every anyone looking back at why they lost. I mean, I think most people focus on maybe deficiencies that that the top of the ticket had that, that Fred Hubble had, and also advantages that Republicans had in certain parts of the state that that you know and, and you know gave them the votes they needed. And in the end, it was very close for for mm-hmm. a gubernatorial election in Iowa. So I think the fact that it was close, I think the fact that she campaigned well and was seen. As a as an asset to that campaign, even though it didn't work out in the end, I don't I don't think that'll I don't think that'll hurt her in any way. On the Republican side, uh, Osceola Mayor Thomas Kedley is, is remains the only one who has filed with the Federal Election Commission. Um, but as we say so often here in Iowa, it's early. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the first district, State Representative Ashley Hinson of Marion formally announced her candidacy. She joked it was the worst kept secret ever since. Uh, the National Republican Congressional Committee chairman mentioned her name back in January, uh, but she made it official this week that she's running. Thomas, uh, unless another Republican gets into this race, and that doesn't look likely, this sets up a race between two former Iowa House colleagues, uh, Abby Finkenauer and Ashley Hinson. At first glance, uh, neither Hinson nor Finkenauer seem to look like the district on the surface, two 30-something women from the district's urban areas running in an older rural district. Any thoughts on, on what we should expect uh, in this race uh, as it develops? 
Well, um, you know, kind of looking at issues going forward, I certainly think that uh, their thoughts on Planned Parenthood are going to become a pretty big, um, a pretty big uh, issue in relating to this race. Um, I also uh, could see that both sides uh, are going to probably be looking at the top of the ticket because this race is going to be going is going to be decided in 2020, and when it's decided. Uh, Abby Finkenhauer will have someone at the top of the ticket who's, you know, uh, those 23 candidates, possibly 24, who knows at the time of when you listen to this. But right now, 23 candidates. Um, and uh, Ashley Hinson, on the other hand, will be the top of her ticket will be Donald Trump. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what kind of what issues end up coming from that. I could definitely see Abby Finkenhauer kind of focusing on uh, her time and her accomplishments while in the house uh, so far and looking at, you know, her, her, you know, small businesses and some uh, items that she's been focusing on lately. Uh, I think, but I, but I do think uh, abortion is probably going to end up being kind of the big ticket issue this election, especially when it comes to the first district. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I guess sort of a, a wild card uh, or unanswered question in this race is, uh, whether um, Republican Rod Blum will uh, try to reclaim his seat. Uh, He hasn't said much, although he told me this week that he's taking Vice President Pence's advice and keeping his powder dry. Uh, Draw your own conclusions. (laughs) We've gotten a lot of rain, though. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to do. It's more difficult these days. So uh, the thing about Blum, well, what's interesting about Blum is that he's actually been kind of on social media – almost trolling people these days whenever they um, whenever they attack it on social media and he'll just have some some witty repartee with them uh, on that repartee but he'll certainly he'll, he'll say something snarky back whenever they you know say that he's whatever they comment on yeah. uh, unkindly on one of his posts well, he's, he's got time on his hands now, and I, I guess since he's not a member of Congress, I suppose uh, there are no snark l- limits on what he no. can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, um, no. yeah, as we talked about it uh, a week or two ago, it's uh, been 50 years since any Iowa congressman has reclaimed their seat after being de- defeated, so uh, I guess he has history against him, uh, as well as the rain in, in trying to keep that powder dry. Yeah. Yeah. Moving right along here, legislating by litigation. This past week, lawsuits challenging the constitutionality of recent in, recently enacted state laws were filed. Democratic lawmakers challenged a change in the judicial nominating process, and the ACLU and Planned Parenthood challenged a prohibition on public funds being used to pay for sex education programs offered by abortion providers. And the Supreme Court this morning announced decisions brought by labor unions challenging the 2017 gutting of public employment public employee collective bargaining a uh, quick glance i believe uh, they pretty much upheld the legislation uh, yeah. pro- probably have not seen the end of the legal challenge there but we've seen lawsuits in recent years challenging a variety of iowa abortion related laws todd is this the new normal sort of uh, if you do, don't get your way in the legislature uh, take it to court well i mean i think you know we've seen quite a few instances over the years where People have gone to court to try to overturn legislative action. Uh, you know, we saw the casino folks try to overturn the separate taxing 
levels for racetracks and, and riverboats. And, and that resulted in a long legal fight. We, you know, we obviously saw the, the ban on same-sex marriage overturned. Uh, you know, that, I mean, this is sort of the, you know, in, in some cases it's the friction between the legislative and the executive branch that will spark some of these. We saw lawmakers, Republican lawmakers, sue Tom Vilsack a few times for stuff he did. So, you know, I think, I also think, you know, in, in the instance of some of these, when you, when you pursue a legislative process where you do some profound things that affect people's lives and you don't really let those folks in on the action or sit at the table, you know, you pass that stuff, then those, they're really their only recourse is to ask the courts for remedy, and, and I think that's what we're seeing in a lot of these cases. It seems that in recent years, at least in Iowa, it's been Democrats uh, who have been in the minority in the legislature and their allies f filing these lawsuits. If, if the tables or when the tables are turned, uh, would you expect Republicans to, to carry on uh, in the same way? To, to take their grievances to court? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, after the Varnum decision on same-sex marriage, you saw some Republicans go to court to try to overturn the judicial selection system. Uh, and you've seen, as I mentioned during the Vilsack administration, there was uh, the, the governor did some line-item vetoes in, a, in, I think it was in the, the bill that created the Grow Iowa Values Fund, which he wanted, but they put some, I think some... Uh, pro-business amendments into that, and he tried to strike them out with line-item vetoes, and they went to court, and ultimately Vilsack lost. Mm -hmm. But the, and the entire bill was struck down, so they had to go back in and do, regrow the Iowa, the Grow Iowa Values Fund, I guess. So, yeah, there, you know, it's... Replant. Yeah, I would, I would, to, I would expect that if we had, you know, the, a Democratic trifecta, that there would, at this point, there'd probably be some Republican lawsuits in the, in the court system seeking to, to overturn you know, whatever they did that they didn't like. Republicans, didn't Republicans challenge a couple of Vilsack's executive orders? Yeah, he had the executive order where he tried to, uh, exp he tried to ban discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation in state agencies. Mm -hmm. And that was when Steve King and several lawmakers went to court and, and, and that executive order did get overturned because it, it went further than the state civil rights code at that time. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's, that's the good news for lawyers is that no matter what party's in power, there's probably going to be some some courtroom action. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> That's the constant. Um, next up, digital campaign or virtual campaign. Thomas, uh, although he was half a country away, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, one of an army of 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls, had a town hall meeting in Waterloo the other night. It sounds uh, from your report that it got uh, mixed reviews. Uh, tell us more. Well, uh, the individual meetings were all pretty sparsely attended. I mean, considering you know how most town halls are, but and you know the the whole meeting on its own was only about thirty minutes. But he spent thirty minutes with about sixteen groups of fifteen to twenty people. So. All, of all, all in all, he spoke to a couple hundred people all around Iowa who all just who all were there and cared about his message, which can, uh, which might end up actually kind of making a difference. It was kind of interesting though to see um, the people. You know, I think you could see a clear uh, difference between people that attended, um, and the younger they were, the more likely they were to uh, be encouraged by having something like a like a digital conversation. 
uh, with uh, Cory Booker, while some of the uh, old people that were older at those events uh, felt that, uh, you know, rallies actually kind of punch home the message, that they kind of make a bigger deal uh, for people when they're running. And I think it, it, it'll be interesting to see whether or not this ends up continuing. And that's one thing that I kind of thought was interesting is that this is the second time Booker's done uh, one of these uh, digital conversations all the way safely from Newark in Newark, New Jersey, and not having to see people face to face. He's um, he's uh, he's been he did one in uh, New Hampshire, and while his message throughout the whole thing was talking about his new gun, um, you know his uh, his gun, gun legislation and uh, talking about gun violence. I think overall it might have a bigger uh, say something more about 2020 election than it will about any specific issue. Do you think, Thomas, that this is a, a gimmick or we'll see more of this, more candidates doing it uh, as a way to reach out to, to people without, um, you know, just catching people sort of on their schedule? Well, I, I think it's going to be dep really depend on whether or not, um, you know, how people, whether or not he does well and whether or not it ends up working out for him. I could see if if Booker ends up making it through the caucus and even getting in the top three, I could see other candidates in the future maybe trying to adopt this. But I think for right now, I don't, I haven't heard of too many other candidates trying any, you know, doing any digital conversations with people or virtual meetings with, you know, possible constituents and caucus goers. So I think until a lot of them are, I think some candidates are kind of going to wait and see and see whether or not it works out for him. But it'll be interesting to see whether or not uh, what this means for the future of uh, presidential elections. Did Booker have uh, field staff there to, you know, take down names and sign people up and for, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I assumed, mm -hmm. he, I assumed he would, yeah. And finally, Todd, as a resident of the fair city of Marion, are you swelled or <laughs> swollen with pride that your former mayor, <laughs> Snooks Buska, is now a presidential candidate? It is exciting. I think, the, I think probably the best part about, you know, Snooks' campaign is at least, unlike when he was mayor, I don't think there's going to be a lot of argument about residency. I think it's clear that he owns a home in the United States of America, <laughs> or at least resides here. So as you remember, when he was mayor, there were, there were private investigators hired to determine where he slept at night, and he was, his, his mayoral residency was challenged. And I think that hearing on that was probably my favorite public meeting that I've ever covered in my life. <laughs> uh, to hear a guy testi testifying, well, at, at, at 8 p.m., he shoveled the driveway again. <laughs> <laughs> then he went here and went there. It was it was it was really an incredible spectacle. So if we if if his presidential campaign is anything akin to that, then we have something to look forward to. Although it sounds like maybe this is more to to make a to make a point about how any American can run for president. That's right. And you know it, it's it'll be an impressive line in his obituary that former candidate for president. Yeah. Snooks Bus. Well, I wonder whose running mate will be. I mean, it has to be, you know, Snooks and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a contest, too. <laughs>
Okay, well, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. If Snooks gets beyond the caucuses. Free Dairy Queen for all Americans. <laughs> yeah. That'll be the... Well, he doesn't own it anymore. Well, His daughter owns it. He can it. arrange it, I bet. I'm, I'm sure he can arrange it. But, <laughs> and, and if Snooks uh, gives free Dairy Queens uh, <laughs> on uh, Election Day, we'll talk about it on the next edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope this has been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Fan mail may be sent to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Helferstout will take us out today. If you know a band or a talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Thomas, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. <laughs>